Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a cheeky, chafing, challenging chat with a chortle and some charm ahead of the Chelsea game this weekend. I'm Tom, and I'm joined as ever by John Punt. Evening. But Lorne felt like after a fortnight of the season, he already needed a rest, so he's inexplicably off on his hollybobs. But we are graced for today's ramble by a promotion-winning Norwich City coach, the mercurial and entrepreneurial Dave Carroll. And welcome, Dave. Mercurial and entrepreneurial, like that. Our dear Nodgecasters, we'd love you to review us. We don't ask you very often, but we'd like to uh, get some reviews in. We'll read the best and the worst ones out, but if they're not five stars, they're not getting read. You can be as scathing as you want, but leave us five stars whilst you slag us off with your words. This week, we'll preview the visit of Chelsea, look back fondly at Newcastle, talk about the emergence of Todd, demand some anecdotes from Dave, and of course, round off with the ACN quiz. Firstly, I really enjoyed Match of the Day on Saturday, but... I don't think they actually made a big enough deal of football we played. Punt, um, do you think we've had a better all-round Premier League performance than the Newcastle 90 minutes? Ooh, that's a question. If you're going way back in the day, 93-94, a 5-1 demolition of Everton, which was the last time a player scored a hat-trick for Norwich in the Premier League, is probably right up there. Um, if, you go, if you're looking at that se- or the season prior to that where we qualified for Europe you'd say the Arsenal's second half demolition where we were 2-0 down 1-4-2 I can't think of many others though that, that really spring to mind but it will be that Walker era where we were just phenomenal and we played an attacking brand of football which was ridiculously fun to watch which is pretty similar to this season It is I think that the brand of football though for me is the, is the thing that, that yeah, recency bias always, always comes into play but the fact that we're knocking the ball about with such abandon and just keeping the ball for fun, you know, naturally being, you know, eight or nine during that era, still having a season ticket, and I, I did see those games, but I don't remember it being the, the, the quality of football being as good. So, so, kind of throwing to you, Dave, with what we've got so far, at half time in the Liverpool game, were you sitting with your coach's and X's and O's hat on thinking, Fucking hell, I can't believe they've tried this brand of football and they're being shown up. Or were you actually sitting there thinking, do you know what, if they keep plugging away, this is going to come good being this expansive? I think with any uh, promotion team, any team that's just come up, they've got confidence. So why would they want to change in what they've done? You know, uh, Liverpool hadn't been great in pre-season, so it was it was a free hit at Liverpool um, to all intents and purposes. So why not go and try and play that way? Um, go to Anfield. They'll appreciate it as much as um, they would their own team doing it. They like to see people try and mm. play with the ball. Plenty of teams go downfield and don't try, and they don't have a real go at Liverpool. So fair play to Norwich. At, at half time, I was probably fearful of um, you know so, some score lines that I've seen in the past and kind of start of the season where you don't want to be tempting fate. You know, very quickly you can stick a a, a pin in your kind of positivity bubble. Um, but certainly the second half, they, they showed everybody, OK, we're, we're here to play and we're here to play our way. Um, so that was a free hit. But God knows what Newcastle were all about. You know, I think anybody who went to the game would probably go, oh, yeah, Norwich played really well. But you're always going to measure that the other end of the scale was just how bad were Newcastle. You know, so at this stage, it's probably difficult for Norwich fans to actually think, you know, how good are we? Are we a team that's going to you know challenge Wolves for the kind of top seven, top six, or are we a team that just happened to, you know, get Liverpool taking the foot off the gas in the second half and a really terrible Newcastle team? So it's probably really hard to judge at this stage. Actually, will Norwich be able to cut it for the whole season playing their way, 
or will they have to adapt at some stage because you only get so long before teams suss you out yeah I mean, that, that's the thing with the with the Newcastle lads they, they um, it was interesting how much the heads and the shoulders had visibly gone down in halfway through the first half um, you know when we weren't three up we weren't out of sight by any means but the the way that how easily okay easily is, is doing the, the team down but how effectively we were keeping the ball away from um, from the Newcastle lads and I, I genuinely had not remembered that Shelby was on the pitch until he suddenly popped up after 20 odd minutes yeah. and, and had like a couple of touches and you've probably both seen the stat Leitner had more passes yeah. than their midfield three combined and we just had the ball the whole time and yes you're not going to have that against all of the teams but um Let's flip the, the original question back again. Have there been many you know, Premier League teams that have come to Carrow Road and looked so inept at, at stopping <laughs> this play? I think, do you know what struck me though? I went, I took my daughter to the game and we for her birthday. For her birthday, yeah. Happy birthday, Izzy, if you're listening. Yes, happy Izzy, birthday. please don't listen to this. Don't listen, he's fucking swearing <laughs> all sorts, Izzy. Izzy, fucking turn off. <laughs> but what struck me, so we were walking down King Street and there was two big groups of Newcastle fans, one behind us, one in front of us. And they were chanting, and I couldn't quite make out what they were chanting. And then Shearer, it was probably. All, it, it, was, it was nothing to do with Shearer. It was all anti-Steve Bruce songs and anti-Mike Ashley songs. And you kind of look at that and you think, this is, your first, positive, Dan. this is your first away day of the season, and you're already on the gaffer's back. Now, I kind of get why they might be sceptical of the gaffer, yeah. given that he'd previously managed Sunderland. But at the same time, the guys are Geordie. He kind of knows what it's about. And they're already at him. Well, the thing, the thing about the Geordie thing and, and the, the the managing the, the Mackhams, uh, we did a did a preview for, before the game um, with with Andy from uh, Gallagate Shots at Newcastle uh, Pod and, um, and and site up there. And he, to be fair, he did say they are already fearing the worst. They are thinking that they at best might take the last relegation spot instead of coming last. Um, and because <laughs> I was pointing at reading the bits and bobs that I'd read that Richie had pissed off the fans in the week leading up to it by saying, "Look, we spent sixty million. What are you complaining about?" Mm. Um, and his point on Brucey was exactly that: that he's managed both Sheffield clubs, both two of the Birmingham clubs. He doesn't, like, yeah, he might get what it's about, but he, he just seems to just go wherever like they next have a an emergency. And there does seem to be certain managers that keep ending up at clubs that are in, in turmoil, mm. and, he, and he's one of them. And, and with a pretty good track record of yeah. actually doing good yeah. stuff with them, so that that's the other side. But having it. one hand behind his back the whole time, um, because because of the stuff that's going on yeah. off, off off the club. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're grateful for him setting up that team. But he, he, if I was a if I was a fan of of his team on on Saturday, my biggest concern would be. The ga- there weren't periods of the game where Norwich were on top and weren't, and there weren't periods of the game where it ebbed and flowed. Um, they're literally we we play the, the game went exactly the same from minute one to minute ninety, other than them having a couple of early, earlier chances. At no point at half time or during the second half were he and his backroom team, whoever they are, able to do anything shape wise, position wise, press us more, anything. They, they they had they had no way of stemming the flow. I think that's slightly unfair. I think Newcastle had a really good period. Probably until we scored our second goal, yeah. where they clearly changed the shape of the midfield. After half time. Yeah, just, just after half time, they looked at the shape of the midfield. They realised that there was a massive disconnect between strikers and midfield, and they did change it about. They kept the ball a little bit better, and Norwich didn't struggle with that, but you know it was looking like it was going to be a bit more of an even contest. But as, as soon as we scored the second, then that was it. Heads were down, and they knew the game was gone completely. Well, I felt like heads were down in, in the first half, and then, yeah, maybe they'd had a bit of a rocket at half time. Um, but I, th- I think you, you look at the Joe Linton chance, and that was probably seminal to the whole game. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, they, they had a, a chance just before that that they blazed into the Barclay and like took out nearly 400 of the flags that were yeah. flying out there. <laughs> um, but then after that, Joel Linton has the header. And I think if the header goes in, it's a different ball game because yeah. now it's a Newcastle who've been effectively on the ropes, a little bit of a rope-a-dope, and then they suddenly think, okay, right, we've, we've yeah. come here, we've played generally terrible for 20-odd minutes, and we've managed to nick a goal. And I think that's also something Norwich are going to have to be careful for is, you know, for all of the possession, eventually at some stage you've got to do something with it. You know, uh, going back to my visits to Carroll Road in the last few years with other teams, you know, we're quite comfortable. Or teams sometimes will be quite comfortable letting you have the ball because all the stuff outside the box is, is fine. It's what actually you do when you get in there. And what Norwich were pretty effective at doing was like turning those chances into goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think um, there are going to be too many teams are going to be so standoffish and lacking in intensity mm-hmm. that Newcastle wear that'll allow Norwich to just decide to do what they want the when box. they yeah. want. Yeah. You know, if the kids want to go, you know, up and down the wing, you know, doing whatever Aaron's wants, whatever Lewis wants, they're not going to get that every week. Um, other teams are going to be far more of a threat, like Isaac Hayden. You know, he had a couple of goes at Lewis, realised he couldn't get past him, and then just stopped. You know, the the midfield were just popping it around. John Joe Shelby, as you said. So you so you've been you've been on the touchline of what, five hundred games, seven hundred games, thousands, thousands games, right? So, in the coach in in a, in the dugout in the coaching team, what's the what's the kind of feeling when um, you know, put yourself in the Newcastle dugout yeah. Saturday. Um, and you're wearing black and white this evening. Right, um, it's not it's not a full on Newcastle shirt, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's the kind of feeling when you think, "Fuck, we, we we are being overrun here"? Like, how how have you been in? What 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 I'm trying to ask you is badly. Um, what what's the kind of what what's the approach that most managers will take? Most scaffers will take in terms of I need to communicate early doors here. We're being overrun, and whatever our plan A was, it isn't working. Like, will they generally try and think? I'm just going to let them keep play out. I, you know, I don't want to show myself up that I got it wrong. Or will some of them be more willing to say, do you know what, we're clearly getting overrun here. We need to change things quickly. Well, let's flip back a year. We came here with Stoke and we were getting pummeled. I don't know what it was, 70% possession to yeah, Norwich. Insane, yeah. yeah, and everyone came away from that game saying absolute travesty of a result. But we knew pretty, pretty early on, okay, it's not our day. We just knew we were off it. So then it's right, okay, you just got to take your medicine now. They're going to have a lot of the ball. You've just got to be super defensive and you've got to stay tight. Work so hard. even at half time in that game, it's right. We're not going to give a chance. You know, and that was one of the few games, I think, of the whole season where I don't know if Timu even had a shot on goal or if he did, it was not particularly effective, you know, against Jack. But sometimes you've got to just say, okay, you know, take our medicine. Other games, you're going to say, well, we need something to trigger. We need someone to potentially physically dominate someone else. Might be a nasty tackle. Might be somebody getting the face of somebody else. Might do something to try and get the crowd going, upset the crowd, you know, get in the face of a manager. Whatever it might be, you've got to find something to break the rhythm of the team. And what Newcastle didn't do through the whole game was break Norwich's rhythm at all, you know. And if that sometimes means, you know, fair means or foul, you've got to find a way of stopping mm-hmm. someone. So, you know, anybody who knows the league last year knows that Leitner runs Norwich's midfield. 
Now, interesting this year that the, for the first time, I think that I've really seen him and Tribal or Tribble, whatever the pronunciation is, um, together. You know, because it's it, in the last season it was uh, the Lord Mayor. Yeah. Um, so whoever it is, now you put those two together and you think, well, Leitner is the one who makes it tick. You have to stop Leitner. Now, you can try and get close to him, but he's a clever enough footballer. So at some stage, you probably have to think, right, we have to find a way of physically dominating him. He's not a particularly big guy. So if you're John Joe Shelby or you're one of the midfielders, you're probably thinking... You need to lean on him. Yeah, you just need to dominate him in some way. Now, if that affects the rhythm, that he suddenly now half a second less on the ball means he makes slightly less dangerous passes, less risky passes, that might be enough to just you know give you a chance. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you mentioned obviously the Stoke game where you, you were there as, as ad, an adversary. Yeah. Um, that was a real turning point for us, um, atmosphere-wise. As, you know, as you know, we we we've worked hard on on the atmosphere, yeah. and I think that was one of the first games the flags came out. Yeah. Like, so, but but interestingly for us, it was the reaction to yeah. the fact that we'd battered a team, we'd been contained, and you know, quite rightly, the, as you say, Stoke had taken the medicine and gone, yeah, we got a goal. So while well, we got a goal, you can pass it in front of us as much as you want. Yeah. But interestingly, the the Norwich fans' reaction to that, even though it wasn't near the end of the season, and we had no no thoughts of going up at that point, <laughs> automatically or, or otherwise. Actually, they were applauded off four sides of Asian because they went, "Well, do you know what? You've huffed and you've puffed and you've played really good football and you've tried everything possible, yeah. and it just hasn't come off today." And but that isn't the typical Norwich reaction over no. the years. Like the typical Norwich reaction is, "Don't care how you played, you've lost. We're going to boo." You know, that, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, but, but I think I think the you know, and we spoke off air about how how good they are now at using social media to, to their own ends. But th- there were other parts of that, and I've said said it publicly before, um, maybe not actually on social media, but for me, I went to the Ipswich-Derby um, game at, at Portman Road last year, Norwich-Ipswich. Yeah. And <clears throat> for me, the point that Norwich won promotion was Louis Thompson not going off. Right, okay, yeah. And people say, you know, how can you pinpoint a moment? And... I said, he, he refused to come off. I was probably saying up in the stands, he needs to come off. You know, he's had a bad injury history, un- unfortunate for the young guy. But um, he didn't, and he stayed on. He wanted to stay on. He wanted to do his bit. He was an annoyance to Ipswich. And you come away with a 1-1. And after the game, the talk was not necessarily whether Norwich were good enough. Probably Ipswich deserved to win the game, strangely enough. But Norwich came away with a draw. And they were talking about how Louis Thompson refused to give up on his teammates mm. and this team refused to give up on the fans. So by Louis Thompson being the fall guy, yes, he got an injury. I don't think he ever... Did he play again the rest of the season? I didn't, might no, sure he didn't. No. No. So, that was a turning. That, that game was a turning point for so much. Max Aaron's debut. Yeah. Um, Hanley, we, you know, we, we lost Hanley after that and, and we thought, right. how are we ever going to cope? But so so that was the first game for me that changed an atmosphere because you know, I think it was six or seven games in and hadn't won or maybe had won one. Um, uh, no, I don't. I don't think we had. We won. hadn't won up until Ipswich, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, no, on. I think yeah. I don't think so. They, cause, no, I think it might no, have no, been Preston four or five home. games. And, and, Preston at home. Oh right, okay. Yeah, but we and, certainly were. We, both teams were bottom five or six, weren't they? At yeah, that yeah. Point? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember saying to Gary, I said, you know, either of these teams we probably need to play sooner rather than later if you could choose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, let's play one of them quick. And we didn't play you for about another six games, I think. Um, or I didn't play Norwich for another six games. Now, in that time, Norwich went on a run of five wins. Dave. Us. 
Us, yeah. Well, you know, I've had a few hats at this stage, you know. So um, he's worn a few club shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a uh, DC has been printed in many colours. That's it. Yeah, I've, I've got a uh, you know a room full of memorabilia, you know, that only Terry Possel can add. To me <laughs> um, in the Mike Shearer and kind the, of yeah. different, different yeah, that's it. Actually, I might start modelling some of that stuff. I you know, you at a car boot sale, maybe at like a, what's the one. Um, at, near Trouse I might oh, have to Arm do that Hall. Yeah, Arm Hall, Arm yeah. Hall. maybe I'll do that one Sunday if people want to come down or I'll donate it to that um, that other uh, understall city or something yeah they really appreciate the shiny shorts of DC with Zara in about 2003 nice. I, I think top money I think short shorts no, or no, are these no, the baggy no, no, no. These are really, 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 really shiny yeah. anyway I digress so anyway back to um, when we played you you had uh, gone to Arsenal in the midweek and had gone out I think on penalties so when we got you on the Saturday it was like a perfect day for us like fatigued sl- slightly down off the uh, cop run having ended it was Ch- Chelsea not Arsenal no, I think it was Arsenal you went out and it was Arsenal last yeah. season no not that was the season before season Arsenal. before was Arsenal yeah. and Chelsea that was FA Cup as well oh. Oh, right. anyway Anyway, anyway, you're on a great run. We, were we came, yeah, yeah we fatigued, tired. yeah, and you know that was it. You know, we, we we probably got you at the right time for us. We played poorly, but we still had enough to kind of go. Okay, right, we can we can deal with this. Bournemouth. Ah, yes, Bournemouth. We've just gone out to Bournemouth in midweek. Sorry, I've just right, shouted okay. Bournemouth randomly. Bournemouth! Yeah, come yeah. yeah, on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, There's a sketch show. There's yeah, a sketch show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Tune in next week when yeah, John yeah. will also shout out random names of teams. <laughs> yeah. But that's the interesting thing, like with, with you with you having so many different hats on, is the um, because you you've had the you viewing it as the fortune of seeing so many different fan bases. Be you know be brutally honest. Some fan bases have certain reputations of being more moany, more whingy. Some have a reputation for maybe not knowing what they're watching. You know, Newcastle fans. Um, uh, but no, but the gen- gen- no, gen- generally they, they do. They, they do have. They t- they're so focused on Ashley for, for good reasons. Yeah, yeah. In, in, you know, sometimes people, you know, certain fan bases have certain things. Certain fan bases are quiet. On the inside, in the ch- on the change room, being with the players, do does it actually not matter? Do, would you actually oh, say no, you do target? Do, do, do you really know? Do you really notice? And is that part of the game plan at all? No, you you will go to certain grounds and you will target the fans. Well, okay. in terms of so how do you go about that? Well, you know that if you keep a tight ship for 20 minutes, you know, that you, you might have to compromise. Not that you go out to purposely compromise your attacking bit, but you just know they're going to come out of the traps. They're going to go really fast at you. And after 20 minutes, if it's not working, and then a few stray passes or a few backwards passes, and then suddenly the crowd starts turning to become like, ah. Oh, you can just feel the atmosphere change in the stadium. And is that when the gaffer gets off, you know, rubs his rubs his hands together and gets up to the front of the tech yeah, player and says, Right lads, this is what we talked about. Yeah, and in the past we've you have know, actually had a you know, lads would look at the clock and after twenty minutes they'd know, right now we're stopping playing how we have been and we're gonna flip it, you know. So under Nigel we, we used to go to places and we'd know twenty minutes in, okay, we're gonna stop hitting the channels and now we're gonna get it down. We would have bought enough space on the pitch by them expecting the next ball to be drilled into the channel, that suddenly you're popping a ball into someone like Youssef Safri, and now we're playing. Mm. And suddenly that they're we're not sure how you're going to play now. So you certainly will target certain fans where you know, okay, we're going to have to take medicine here for 20 minutes of them being positive. But if they get the 20 minutes, and then you can start to be, 
tactical in where you pressurize them or who you pressurize. So targeting players at certain times in the game where you know player X is poor on the ball. So what we'll do is we'll wait for him to get it and then we'll go kind of hell for leather. We'll squeeze him. He'll give it away to us. The crowd will get on his back because let's be honest, everyone knows who their good ball players are and who they're not. You, know, yeah. the poor you don't need an analytics players. guy. You just need Absolutely. to watch the couple yeah, episodes yeah, of the championship. You know, or, or there seems to be day. analytics guys everywhere now on Twitter, you know, but you don't need that. You just know which players are, are going to be weaker on the ball. So you target them and the fans will then, they feel that. Hmm. And then suddenly the atmosphere starts to change. And, and there'll be certain parts of the ground that you know as well, which are going to be a little bit louder. So, of course, you're going to, you're going to try and dampen those down as well. But I, I, th- I feel like Norwich Norwich fans were like that for, for many, many, many years of, of yeah. you know, in, in our support. You know, yeah. Punt and I are only a couple of years apart in terms of our kind of eras of, of Norwich mm. City. Punt being so much older than me, obviously, go, goes a bit bit sooner. But we, we have... Uh, <laughs> no, this is an audio, audio audio medium. Only, yeah, so yeah. Well, I think <laughs> to the bird. Yeah, people don't actually, know the bird yeah. came out. Um, yeah. But I feel like Norwich are a prime target for that because we, we have been kind of a moany club. We have been a bit of a whingy club if things haven't gone yeah. well. And, and actually, it's taken it's taken a long time to get that patience. But as I say, this, that Stoke game last season really felt like a turning yep. point where... Okay, it's not going to go brilliantly every time, but if if you can see they are trying to play the right way, stay with them. And you know, we we had we had um, we, we've actually spoken to players on the pod about um, how things have got at them and got to them if they've been worried about playing a certain type of pass because they know people are going to moan. Um, so, so it clearly is important. We I mean, we, we went to Stoke. You know, go back to Stoke. We went to Bolton last year, and after four minutes of the game, the Silver Christmas. And at this stage, we had been on a decent run. I think we had lost four games in 19 which was after a poor start we had started to get some momentum but we went to we went to Bolton and Bolton had set up to frustrate us but it's four minutes into the game and Ryan Shawcross under pressure passed it back to Jack Butland to come back out the other side standard play that you would see in any possession based team nothing surprising you know simple way of getting around a a press And, and the fans literally turned on us four minutes in Wow, and then by the time we got to um, by the time we got to the next game against Bristol, it was thirty seconds into the game when the fans had turned. You know, so once you start to lose fans, and I think nowadays, I, I was thinking back to the night, you know, the end of Nigel uh, Worthington's era the other day. That where, Burnley game was whoa, whoa, uh, what an atmosphere! Yeah, the <laughs> I was actually speaking to John McGreal today. Okay, um, I was down at Colchester, and we were talking about that game. And now one of the things that was interesting at that time, if you remember them, the little red cards that people had show worthy, the red yeah, card yeah, yeah. that people had printed. So I was kind of thinking, imagine social media back yeah. then. Oh, mate. Yeah. So I think, I think in a lot of ways now, the f- you, you can create positivity really, really fast now. And you guys have been at the center of that around the club, certainly over the last... 12 months mm. you know the rise of the yellow wall as such if you look at it from its inception and an idea to what it looks like now in the Premier League one year later is is a real credit um, to yourselves but also shows the power of a movement a tribe in action the flip side of that is what happens when it goes the other way you know what is going to be the power of tearing down that yellow wall if and when if it ever comes to pass that things don't go well, how strong are the bonds going to be in there? Because as we know, people really like moaning. 
Yeah, and especially around football here. fans <laughs> really yeah. like moaning. So when it starts to come, you know, it's kind of moved on from the the days of Canary Call. Now it's faster than that. People yeah. are, are able to interact. It's during better. the game. During the game, we've already decided there's still 30 minutes to go, but we've still decided that certain players can't ever play again. Like if they, if they're doing badly, absolutely. Well, you have. No, 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 no. That is uh, Dave's right. That is the general malaise of, of, of football fans in vertical comments. Like I, but I do think generally that the Norwich are. It is, it is to do with momentum, but we do keep saying this. We've been promoted several times. Like we, th- this isn't the first time we've ever. We're not forgetting what promotion feels like, and we know there's always momentum like this. It's been building steadily way before we, right back when we didn't know if we were going to be playoffs or or maybe sneak up towards Matic. It just felt like if we don't do it this season, as long as we're playing this football, we don't mind. Like if we go down this season, but we're going to play this football, that's okay. And I think most fans are kind of in it for. That feel, that tribe, as you say, like we feel more of a sense of belonging now, and more of a sense of unified. We know where we're going. We know the sorts of players we, we go after. We know Weber's got a no dickhead policy. We know we're going to play like this, and and that kind of certainty makes you think, yeah, okay, but I know what the plan is. So I'm I'm not I'm not going to jump on that well, guy. Well, that's where it comes in. It's knowing what the plan is. So you know, at Norwich City, we, you're quite right. We've been absolutely moany and whingy, and there's been times where we played really well lost 2-1 but put a heart and soul into it and they've been booed off and it's been ridiculous and I've just stood there shaking my head going look what the fuck do, do we want this team to do <laughs> but genuinely like you know if they're going to yeah. put everything into it then but the club and whether it's by design or not but we've got a gaffer who is incredibly likeable plays the media really really well loads of sound bites but he genuinely comes across as if you'd want him around for dinner you then couple Have that you asked him yeah, John? No. Uh, uh, several times but he's no, never responded okay. to my text so um <laughs> Not sure, it's the right number that you're giving. <laughs> but then you've got Joe Ferrari's last action was to there give you the yeah, wrong yeah, number. number. There's, 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 <laughs> but then you've got three or four academy products in the team yeah, week in week out, and you're like, you're going to afford them more patience. So whether the club have deliberately said, look, we're going to play all the youth. Daniel's a really nice manager. He's going to manage things really well. We're going to give them more patience. And so it's just, have... I think, it, but I don't know whether it's by design. I don't think it but is. But I think they've you... utilised the resources at their disposal like DC really, really said well. About, um, uh, about the Louis injury and Max having to suddenly, like Max was, I've, I've said this before on the pod, but Max was doing his work experience two weeks before that at, um, at CSF. No, he has to still finish that, by the way. Yeah, okay, he's going back. Yeah. Yeah. There's still, there's still, there's still some yeah. photocopying yeah. on the side there. That Ian needs some to people have never got on courses because <laughs> Max Aaron's literally yeah. disappeared off to have a career. Thing, like, that, that is how far away from the first team he was yeah. two weeks beforehand. A couple of injuries, all of a sudden, right, go on, Maxie. So I, and, and you never know when that's going to happen. Yeah, you and, 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 and Todd, you have to take the, uh, the so chance when it comes. Let's talk about Todd now. So um, Huck's good friend of yours, Dave, was on here. Um, I think two appearances ago when he was saying about um, he wasn't taking credit was he uh, well he wasn't so much taking, was he taking all he bit. wasn't so much taking credit I, when yeah. I sat near uh, Huxford the, I think it was the Toulouse friendly right. and <laughs> it was audible every time Toddy was in go on Toddy yes Toddy good oh, part like compared, compared to us but but in fairness to Hux, we did ask him um, in our boring championship season when we weren't really going anywhere, doing much of anything, and we yeah, were yeah, yeah. playing the horseshoes without any of the interest, everything going through Madison. Um, the foundation said, year. Yeah, we said to so him. The who, foundation who was, year, building the pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I didn't I like it, but these yeah. boys, the, the, other, the other boys were, were calm, and we, I, I booed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> we saw what was happening. I, I, went, I went from You're getting claiming rid of him now to, you saw yeah, what yeah, was happening. I said, get rid of him, and it went to four more years. But with the... With, 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 with Huck sat there and said, 
Um, we said, who, who who's the next off the off the line? And so Jamal Lewis had had his breakthrough season, and he said, I think Toddy's the one with the highest ceiling. I think Toddy. And at the time, we were like, okay, yeah, fair enough, Darren. But I mean, just in pre-season, clearly what he did in pre-season was enough to say, no, sorry. I need, I need that starting place. And that was really brave of, of Farker because we, we didn't have injuries in that position. And you've got Patrick Roberts who there would have been some effort made to get him in on loan, etc. And he would have expected to maybe have had some minutes by now. Um, and so I, I think that was a brave call. And I, I think in the, the, putting aside the obvious, you know, Pookie party and his four goals, I think the most consistent performance over 180 minutes so far has been, has been, been Toddy. And it was really interesting, actually. I went to the Players Fans Forum at the Norwich City Fans Social Club because um, my daughter wanted to go and actually meet Todd Cantwell. You know, she's been that inspired already by a young lad from Deerham coming through. But a lot of people have been making out that, oh, he's bulked up or he's fitter or he's stronger. or you know. And, and he actually said, I think that's all nonsense. He said, what's happening now is he's being afforded the licence to play the game that he wants to play, whereas last season he was asked to do a job and now... Probably Farker seen him in pre-season and just said, yeah, he's ready. do what you do, you're ready. Yeah. I said to a friend of mine, who brought, you know, kindly gave me their ticket for the game on Saturday, I think it's it's blaze of glory haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's certainly working that new Barnet really, really well. Yeah. You know, and I think I it's like giving him a bit like Samson and Delilah, you know, I think he's getting additional strength from the new Barnet. Well, it wasn't there for the Liverpool game. The Liverpool game, he, the length was there, but the blonde mm. wasn't there. And yeah, so, so I, th- you I think you see where he's gone with it. I think he felt just look up Blades of Glory, people, and you'll see what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Know you, you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, so, so let's look ahead to um, Chelsea. Uh, I have, have so far got a couple of predictions, uh, pretty, pretty accurate. I called the 4 1, I went 3 2, it was 3 1 at weekend. I'm afraid. Um, I am worried about this weekend, mostly um, for the fact that I can't see Chelsea going three games at the start of the season without a win because I haven't adjusted to them being shit yet. <laughs> so it might be that they are legitimately shit this season, but I just can't... I, to, to the idea of Chelsea still having one point or even two points after three games with the teams they played, other than... You know, we, 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 yeah, I mean... I mean very good either, but. You also have to look at Chelsea in terms of you know the the emotion surrounding Frank Lampard going in there. You know, comes out of uh, Derby uh, that dragged on for far too long. He eventually comes in. They're off on an Asian tour. He hasn't really been around England. Then his first game is Man United away. I mean, by any stretch, that's a tough game. You never see that. I don't know who's got into Sky this year to change the fixture list to get that level of mm. game on the first weekend because it never happens. Yeah. Um, so that's not an easy easy game to start with. Then they have the uh, the, the Super Cup game next. Yeah. You know, so yeah, then they have yeah, to travel cool. to Turkey, play that game against Liverpool. So you got Man United and Liverpool back to back first two games, which is cranking up the pressure. Now they played really well against Liverpool, you know, and then they come home and then you have the effectively you know you saw the program the return of frank you know it's a it's a uh, collector's edition program yeah you know so frank comes back and whatever way you want to spin it it's a big day for chelsea him coming back in as manager and then they're playing leicester and we know what leicester can do they they're just the type of team that can turn up and ruin anybody's party especially if vardy's leading it and now you see Frank's in a difficult position because he's had three games and effectively he's lost three games at the start of the season. Now he's got to come to Norwich who are super confident, 
and he's probably got a team that's a little bit probably questioning of what are they yeah and who and who is the 11 because you know he, he's not going to have been able to have really settled on one and be, be confident yeah and no, I, I see that but I, I I find like I said I think mostly is I find it difficult to, to come down on except that, that Chelsea aren't going to be much much cop and they did give Liverpool a good game and I'm um, uh, yeah so I'm a bit fearful for that and I, I would be delighted almost similar to, to, to the Liverpool game I'd be delighted with a good performance and a loss and anything above that I'd be happy with even though it's at home I think I, I just feel that they are they will be so brisk they had the full week to prepare no, no midweek game for them this time or whatever I, I think that might be tricky what about you Punt are you more confident than me? Um, I'm probably marginally more confident than you, and I think we can go and get a result. But I don't think. Well, I we think should... we can because I've, yeah. just, I've, you know, I've seen the way we we played the season. But I just think Chelsea might be just too I think too hyped up for it. The reality here is we've got way more of a chance of getting something out of the game than we did, you know, first up at Anfield. You know, there's no denying that, regardless of, you know, what you say. Uh, uh, Eden Hazard, less Chelsea, you know, kind of are going to be a team that we can probably get at. It's just, but still, we should be treating this as a free hit. It's Chelsea. They're probably going to be top five, top six, possibly worst case scenario, top seven, you know, for a Wolves or a Watford, as Lorne ridiculously suggested, ah. we'll, we'll make the Champions League. You know, that's why Lorne's gone on holidays. They're bottom of the league, aren't they? Well, you've expelled him because he yeah, said yeah. Watford well, no, again. He top said Watford again, Champions four. League, and so, so therefore he's felt he's so embarrassed by the first two weeks, he's had to, to run away. Which is fair. But he's not been sectioned. No, he might well, be. Yeah. Watford lose again this weekend. Wow. But it's a free hit. It is genuinely a free hit. So go and express yourselves again. If you get anything out of it, brilliant. If not, you know, we move on. We've got so West Ham away next. See, so you're talking sensibly there that it's a free so hit. The problem way, is you suddenly get there's a, a build-up of excitement. Yeah, start, start, start going, on, oh, hold on, maybe we could. Hmm. And, and I think we, 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 we could, yeah, but could. we shouldn't expect it. You know, no, that's where we're at. So I think we are aligned there in that I'm, I'm, my, my, what I would walk out on Saturday um, afternoon, thanks to the, the kick-off time, with a... With a, with a happy feeling is do you know what Chelsea are not going to be far, that far away this season um, and you know we've lost narrowly that, that's, that, that would be a fantastic yep. program because again that just takes loads of confidence into an eminently winnable West Ham game yeah totally agree um, cool so moving on um, we've got you here Dave now we've already kind of touched on the, the fact that you've um, had the, the enjoyment of uh, working at several different clubs um, if you were to pick a club where you feel you had the biggest learning experience, what would that be? Learning experience? Well, so in different ways. Um, obviously Norwich when I joined because it was so brand new. What we were doing then was new to football. So we were all learning at the same time. The players were learning, the coaches were learning. We as staff were learning how to work in this sport. So, you know, getting you and start trying to lift weights and never lifted weights in his life, you know, trying to get Craig Fleming to, you know, do agility work, Malky, getting him to do footwork, you know, all those kind of things where they were learning it, we were learning it and off we went. So that was great. Certainly leaving to go to Colchester was right you down now to a team that's just been relegated. So um, while I'd been with a relegated team before when we got relegated from the Premier League, the quality of the player is still largely, you know, <clears throat> matching the level. I think the problem we had at Colchester was some of the players felt that the level was now below them. You know, I think most of the Norwich players kind of, when we, we got relegated in 2005, kind of thought, okay, you know, we kind of went there. We didn't really recruit hugely to kind of match the league. 
you know we we replaced some older players who had who had uh, who had left and then we had brought in other players to try and you know match match the team as such I would have said um but Colchester some of the players certainly felt that they were you know destined to be back in the championship um so egos that potentially weren't matching of the uh surroundings the quality yeah so, so in, what's the biggest challenge there is it is it saying well no you still need to run around these cones and you still need to practice yeah, your headers yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah you know I, I think there's always every team that gets relegated thinks they're going to kick on because we've got quality and i think it's i was speaking to gary rabbit the other day because we obviously keep in contact with a lot of managers and uh he was telling me that only one out of the last 15 teams has been relegated has averaged more than 1.5 points per game in the first five or six games back in the championship out of the Premier, Premier League. League. Yeah. So teams come down and struggle. Mm. So when you go back to Norwich coming down and then they struggled and you look at Stoke and you look where Huddersfield are at the moment mm, and yeah. you look, teams struggle when they come down. So actually the biggest thing is probably learning how to cope with relegated players. You know, because the, they think they can match the league. Everybody else in the league is thinking these guys are up for grabs. So, Colchester was different because I'd come from Colney, lovely surroundings up there, to being chucked the keys to, I kid you not, a white painted decorator's van, which had all the training equipment <laughs> and a bag of balls in the back. And I had to drive around Colchester in the morning to find the training pitch before training and radio back. You know, we're at the university, get yourselves down here. <laughs> and then the um, the girls, you know, Colney, you have a lovely kitchen. We had girls driving two Fiesta cars with all of the pre-cooked food coming down and feeding it to us in a glass house in the middle of um, University of Essex. So that was just uh, eye-opening. Like, this is how football is outside of the bubble of what you think you have. And I think that's... I've been on a tour around loads of clubs recently and there are clubs in the Championship or in the Premier League who will have far less facility than you would imagine and do far more with it. So having all the facilities, having all the equipment and all of that doesn't really count if you're not matching it with the product on the pitch. And over over the years, I think, yeah, certainly, yeah, we went into Stoke and that was another relegation hangover went into Colchester, relegation hangover, and you you see pretty quickly, if you don't get the culture sorted quickly and ground people inside the building, you're in trouble. So so of, of that tour you've been on recently, what's the um, either the club that's on the up or the club that you think they're really getting things right or they're doing something new? Is there anything you've learned or seen innovation-wise that, 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 that has impressed you when you've been touring recently? Yeah, without, without naming the clubs in particular... Um, well, I'll name one straight away. Brighton, their training ground is is excellent. And they're just about to spend over £10 million more on their current training ground, which is already excellent. Right. So it kind of puts the perspective of the £5 million mm. kind of canary bond into perspective when their owner um, just goes 10 12 £14 million extension. Now, that's not to say that Brighton have got any you know predestined right to stay in the league but it just shows you where the investment is going um some of the stuff so i was in an arsenal was in a villa uh bournemouth you know seen some fantastic stuff bournemouth again really small stature in terms of footprint of a club 
but my god they they maximize everything that they're doing in it and, and are really innovative in some some aspects that they're, they're working on because they yeah. really lent into analytics early doors didn't yeah. they the money ball kind of element of, of yeah, football absolutely you know you know originally of course they had like some serious backing from um from from some investors you know to get them effectively through the leagues really quickly but once they've got there then they've yeah heavily gone into it you know and, and that's great to see um and and there is an arms race in terms of what people are trying to do innovation wise analytics wise you know um, you, you're seeing clubs with departments who are data analytics, data scientists, data architects. You know, I sat literally on the bench at Arsenal for a game last year against, strangely enough, uh, Newcastle. And to see some of the stuff that Arsenal are doing is way beyond what lots of clubs are doing, you know. And they, they went out and recruited a Russian data scientist who was working for Candy Crush. To come wow. in and lease so no football background, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, didn't know football. It's about data. It's it's about getting the right person, yeah, who can work with the information in the right way and deliver it. And you wouldn't believe how fast it is now. It's it's not happening at half time. It's happening one minute later on the bench, so we can tell where people are in relation to. You know, so is that like this, average position or positions? Intensity of run, yeah. You yeah. know, we we talked about and we've been on uh, myself and Gary and Joe Carnell who, who work with. You know, we were doing live tracking of our players last year. Uh, you know, when we played Leeds first game, and and I was saying to Gary, kind of, for the gaffer, twenty five minutes in, you know, we've a real problem here. One of our players has literally, to the point of being, he's down tools, first game of the season. Yeah, we've got all his preseason data, and we're going like, "What's he doing?" We're watching him on the pitch and going, "What's he doing?" You know, so those kind of decisions can be made straight away. So when you go to Carrow Road and you see the little pod that's got aerials on it beside the, the the dugout, you know, we are looking at information straight away. So everybody's got that power now. So it's where do you get the innovation? So st some of the stuff I saw Arsenal doing is is next level. You know, so. That's where the arms race is now. It's not whether you can make a decision, but how fast you can make a decision. And what you and what you do with that as well, because it's about it's about having the bravery to say, okay, well, I haven't seen anything with my naked coach's eye um, that suggests that actually I need to put the left back up front. But the you know, Sergi says, says that that that, that Mikhail, will get yeah. me. Yeah, Mikhail, <laughs> he'll get he'll get me three uh, three goals straight away if I yeah, do. Yeah, but many people won't know this, so I'm going to uh, out myself now on um, along come Norwich. But for two years, I actually did the uh, performance analysis for Ipswich when they were in the Premier League 2000, 2002. Yeah, so. Um, and that came about because Tony Mowbray was a really forward-thinking coach. And we had been doing really innovative stuff at Norwich anyway. We were doing half-time replays um, of coding of stuff in 1999. So we were, we were kind of groundbreaking. I know I've said this on, on previous um, productions. Um, and they wanted to do the same kind of stuff. They had just got up to, to the Premier League. Um, Mogo was really forward-thinking. He wanted to have all of the information. He wanted all the tagging stuff. But the manager at the time thought he could see everything. Until, strangely enough, they played Chelsea. And Fabian Vilnius got blindsided twice by Good, good Johnson uh, for Johnson, two goals. Yeah, yeah Ida Good Johnson blindsided him twice. And, and Fabian didn't know where he was, and he scored two goals. Was and, that the George Burley era then? George Burley, yeah. yeah. Okay. So... um yeah, at half time they came in and said, "What was happening?" I said, "Well, this is what's happening twice." Mm -hmm. You know, so that was the arms race kind of twenty years ago. So you can only imagine what it is now. You know, with sensors that we have on people. You know, so 
um what what Norwich are doing, you know, there was the famed video they did a few years ago where it was a day in the life of Russell Martin, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. which was, you know, he's having blood taken every day. I mean, people aren't having blood taken every day, you know. I I, th I think it looked like a real uh, sciencey piece of uh, piece of production, but it certainly shows what the innovations are nowadays. Whether that's all wrapped up in one thing for players every single day is probably, um, what would you say? Stretching, Stretching it out. Stretching the truth. <laughs> so, you, you know, talking about uh, being with the scum, um, we'll forgive you that. You've done enough good things for Norwich. But we've... Were you at that game when actually, you know, the... the scum, which scum, what, scum? When it went up on the scoreboard. Oh, yeah. I was there. And I thought someone's getting sacked oh, right, really yes, yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's superb. Um, <laughs> they literally jaw-dropping I mean, jaw in, in the dugout. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> What's he put up there? That was wonderful. And they never found out it was you. Um, so what we... <laughs> yeah, I couldn't spell properly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what we... Um, what we... What would be interesting is, is to get your opinion on whether or not you feel um, the, the loyalty within coaching staff has to almost be a step further down even more so than playing staff. In that players we all know will kiss the badge one minute and hand in a transfer request the next. <laughs> but as a coach, your livelihood is so much dependent on what 11 to 14 lads do for you. And yep. you could have given them best sports science in the world and the fantastic Normally things. Normally I have, on, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah and so. then on your iPad. It's not I could have, yeah, probably. So on your iPad you said, Fabio Milnes, you need to do this, but unfortunately you're fucking shit. So yeah. you've got a good Johnson still scored twice. And so with that in mind, again, it throws up, um, uh, you know, Lambert being where he is now um, and uh, blonde lad who's next to him, assistant coach, was ex-Norwich. Matty Gill. Mate, Matty Gill being with yep. And effectively, Gill had, to, Gill had to take the, the role because he's not going to get that opportunity yep. somewhere else. Obviously, Russ turned it down as well at the time. But it's fair enough therefore isn't it that coaches go, like going back to the Steve Bruce example that if, if Sheffield Wednesday don't want me anymore and Sheffield United want me if Birmingham don't want me anymore and Villa want me then if that's where the job is mm. and that's, that's who's paying I've got to go right 100% you know ask anybody um, in their current job and I know everyone always related to their job you know you, you only have to read the message boards you know and w be honest plenty of people do in coaching staff and players read message boards and they see people say the likes of if I was in my job dot 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 and then it normally ends but I'd be sacked yeah, yeah and the truth is no you probably wouldn't you know because employment law is obviously a little bit tired than that but also you know it's it's not a you know it, there are so many variables that affect performance on a football field you know, I, I think it was uh, Terry Alcock. He used to he used to come around every week before the games, and he'd uh, do a tour, and he'd have people with him, and he'd tell his story about 1957 uh, or whatever year it was with Man City. And I heard this story like at least 400 times. <laughs> but he'd talk about them painting three stripes because Adidas wanted all the FA Cup final boots to be Adidas, so they literally came in, painted everyone's boots black, and put three stripes on them. But he also made a great point. I always thought this was really interesting. He said football is like if if you're at work he said and you're working and you're using a mouse he said it's fine until somebody keeps coming and moving your mouse yeah all the time i said that is football you're trying to do something and somebody keeps stopping you doing it and what people have to understand is the other team have got every right to do whatever they want to try and stop you playing the game and same with the staff you know the staff are going to think okay if i'm an opportunity comes elsewhere to work elsewhere and effectively get yourself a better job 
that that's just finding a better job yeah. you know strip off the badge that's on the front and but football fans can't change the team and that's the only one thing that they can't change you don't see somebody change allegiance of their club because you know it's not like the fast show where that guy used to support Arsenal one week and Chelsea <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like oh yeah go on, go on to be come on you gooners you know you, football fans can't change team and therefore they despise anybody who can and uh, you know whether Paul Lambert decides he's going to work for Ipswich now or Norwich I think it's in some ways obviously I don't want to get into the how he left because oh, I wasn't around at the time but he, he did great work for Norwich and I think that's been lost in the kind of how he left or why he left and I don't know that bit so I'll have to um, <laughs> have to better people tell me why but he's off at Ipswich now and the pattern is the same of what he's doing now in terms of they're now in League One and he's doing what happened with Norwich in League One he's got the fans on board the fans are coming behind him now they're getting some momentum and now you can see potentially the same thing happening again. Do you happen. genuinely think that will happen? Do you think he'll turn them around? Get yeah, them yeah, I do. Yeah. So do you think that he... he M- took, momentum's the greatest thing in sport. Yeah. You, you think that he took that job at the time, for, for what, even though it was months and months and months away, you, he took that job thinking, we're probably going to go down, but... He, he, I don't think he took it thinking he was going to go down. Do you, not, I, 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 do you not think so? No, I, I Is that, think, do you think that's self confidence or denial? What what would have made him think he could have kept them up? Because they looked. I mean, it, 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 it was a big risk for Paul. But I again, that was a free you know, hit. That, wasn't that, it? I don't I don't think it's a free hit because as a manager, you can't decide. You know, you know, I I'm going to take this. You know, he had 25 games or whatever left last season. It's over half of season. You can't just say, Assume oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Job oh, great. Well, yeah. You know, there's plenty of managers who've gone into clubs with 25 games to go and got them promoted. So why not do that? And obviously, it, um, he was in charge of Stoke for four or five months at the end of the year before. Um, so it, it, it kind of had been not a bit of a barren spell for Paul in terms of um, results as a manager. So, of course, you know, he's, he's kind of going in there trying to do the best job he can do. Like any job, you know, you, you could say he came to Norwich where Norwich are bottom of league one and you think why would you go and do that job because you look at the resources and you think okay i think i can make something off this and and he was certainly on the upward curve then i would say at this stage what happened last year was probably the lowest curve Hmm. but now it looks like the curve's turning like going in there and being ineffectual in effect like he didn't see he didn't make him play better he didn't make him score more goals he couldn't solve any of their problems yeah you you you, (laughs) The next six six months are going to basically decide what the next five years of his career is going to be like, isn't it? Oh, like potentially, if he yeah. manages to get yeah. in and around the playoffs, it's almost like, okay, you're back. You're, you're back, and <laughs> yeah. you will get another top league one bottom championship job. If he gets them up, then but all of a sudden he, he can get Yeah, it's kind of like Anchorman, you know, when he, when he came in and suddenly it was the Horn of Zeus or whatever it was, the, you know, the clarion call came and suddenly he's back on air. Exclusively Will Ferrell references. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, can you, can you see where I'm going? Yeah. Well, sure, and Anchorman references is oh, super. Yeah, it's it's class, isn't it? yeah. I, in fact, you know, if you're going to shout just random football, Football clubs. Bournemouth. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got uh, the Nodgecasters have sent in some questions for uh, our friend DC. So Johnny Punt. Ooh, I've got a good one. He doesn't like it. Oh, God. Johnny, I'm sorry, John. Go. I should call me what you want within reason now. Yeah. Okay, babe. Cheers, bud. What we got first? So from Twitter, we've got Joe Dack, 
and he's asked, did any managers try to influence your decision as to whether a player was fit or not? And I've got a follow-up question. Mm, okay, well. so yeah, uh, fit is such a encompassing term. You know, is a player fit to play or are they fit enough to play? Um, so we've got the kind of, are they injured or not? Um, yes, yeah, managers have tried to declare that a player is, is fit to play when maybe we wouldn't. Um, is that also difficult if the player says... Gaffer, I'm not fit, or Dave, I'm not fit, and, the, and or, or or is it is it only ever when the player is saying, "No, I am fit, I am fit." And oh, you can get stitched up every single way. You know, you, you suddenly yeah. uh, you're speaking to the player, and you've you've done a fitness test, or you've done the session with them in rehab, and you say, "How's it feeling?" And they're going, "No, it's, it's not great." You know, well, you know, eighty percent, seventy percent, yeah, don't think so. 10 minutes later the manager's come over he's had a word in his ear and he's told him I really really need you for the weekend are you going to be able to do it for me and the player goes yeah and you're like looking at him going <laughs> you've literally just stitched me up you know because we will have had the conversation with the manager before so yeah that's that's certainly happened a number of times you know so hence hence we uh, probably don't trust players <laughs> and on that so Norwich recently gave Louis Thompson a new contract like what was it halfway through last season yeah. maybe and I thought it was a really weird move given the or certainly the length of the contract something like three or four years the lad's broken down he's done his Achilles he's then really struggled to come back from that I think he might even have re-ruptured his Achilles he's then Damn, done his yeah. shoulder his body essentially is possibly broken at that time how much do you guys in terms of sports science have an input if the club's saying three four year deal Louis how much are you kind of getting an insight or offering your insight presumably into, it depends on the club and the relationship I guess it does but I'm just interested in whether there is that, that level of conversation because for me I'd have looked at it and gone we don't even know if he's going to be playing in three or four years you know his body is really struggling I hope he does really well on loan but yeah, I thought Shrewsbury, there was a time when he yeah, yeah, yeah I thought there was a time Shrewsbury, when I was like Shrewsbury who knows one of them yeah. Either yeah, he did well for Ben didn't he yeah. but how much input do you get to you know or do they come to you and say what do you reckon is he going to be you know is he going to fully recover um, so there's a few elements to that Obviously, if you, you've recruited a player and you think the talent is there, somebody along the way has gone to watch the player and thought, yeah, there's potential here and we see value in them. If you if you believe that the value still rests in the player, you're going to obviously try and protect that because you don't want to give away a player who could potentially be a world beater just because he might have had a poor run of injuries. You know, Doing your Achilles and redoing it is, is certainly unfortunate. You know, um, and, and then he did his shoulder, I think, as well. And... What we sometimes see is these kind of uh, injuries that happen on the back of other injuries. Mm. So they're they're unfortunate, but it's part of the process sometimes that you're trying to push people to get back and they pick up these these associated injuries. A bit like Matt Jarvis, I guess that you know he just kept breaking down. Yeah, uh, but there's there's also certain players, and kind of got to be careful with how we how I say this, but <clears throat> certain clubs and certain injuries seem to follow each other now it's not that Norwich certainly have a pattern of it but you can have certain staff at a certain time and those type of injuries happen you know and famously Arsenal used to have you know 19 hamstrings mm -hmm. per week you know because is that the type of, of training whatever. overtraining sessions double sessions there can be so much going on you know whether it's coaching staff performance staff the players nutrition. themselves the medical staff nutrition whether they've had enough broccoli mm -hmm. anything like that red sauce at Tottenham you know under Harry Redknapp yeah. all those things get yeah. thrown into the mix you know are, are they all part of it now, shouldn't for let the dog in the kitchen but for Louis Thompson I think it's one of those. He's now got to go out and prove that he can stay fit. Um, on the flip side, if you look at someone like 
um, David McGoldrick, uh, when he was down the road, mm. he he was quite frequently Probably out injured. Night, and now he's at um, Sheffield United. He's hardly missed a game. Yeah. So sometimes it can be the environment. Sometimes it can be the player. Especially if it's a young player, there can be maturity times to it as well. So you, you've got to give them time to almost for their body. Because sometimes it's 23, 24 years old before they actually settle down in terms of growth and maturation. So you have to take that into account. If you believe there's still value in the player, the player and the person, you're probably going to support that. Darren Way was the first one I came when I, when I arrived at the club and he had been given an extension because of uh, because of illness he had, bef- which predated us. So he was given additional time. You often see that with, with players. They're given additional time. There was no 23s at that stage. There was only like 18s. And a, by 18, if you hadn't made your debut, you're out the door and you know, find the next 18-year-old. Um, but now you go all the way up to 23. So you get a chance to mature a little bit and have a little bit more time on task in terms of building yourself as an athlete. But it's, it's interesting because we, we, um, we see those, those deals be handed out and you know, the, the, the caveat and the counter to Norwich haven't spent any money is, well, actually, we've, we've probably signed £60 million worth of players in, the, in all of the deals we've handed, handed out. Um, and I actually think that a deal for Louis is very much fitting within the, the culture of the way they're trying to run the football club at the moment, which is where actually you've been part of our journey to this point. Yeah. Um, and we would like to bank on the goodwill of... The, of it, there's a real that. difficulty again, you know, when, you, um, when, when you've had players who you're attached to and you're really close to, you know, the Norwich Academy players are going to be really close to the Norwich fans. So therefore, you start thinking, oh, what, these players are worth this. We wouldn't let them go for whatever. But it's a business. They're just assets. And that's the way they have to be that, thought of. Absolutely. As, as, that's business. what I mean about the four-year deal. That's what Billy and Michael, that's what Billy and Michael speak about, and in particular, speak about really well, is, is how you know it breaks their heart when some of the younger lads have to move on and, and some of the players they've been really close yep, to. Yep. But it, it's it, like the, 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 the morons that, that try and give Delia grief and... They just need to open their eyes to the fact that there are so many of their favourites in inverted commas have moved on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows how little influence they actually have uh, on the team. Next question, please, John. Next question. We've got Ben Newton on Twitter who asks, who's the most promising youngster you saw at Norwich who didn't make it and Oof. why didn't they make it? Wow. Promising players. Well, there's a, there's a saying in the game that speed kills. You know, so you look at any fast player and they stand out a mile. And it actually goes back to something we've just been talking about, about injury. And we had a young player back in the, well, it must have been early 2000s, called Josh Clark, which oh, yeah, most play, most people will never have heard of. You know, yeah, but played, doesn't ring a bell to me. No, doesn't ring a football manager once, that's why I know. Oh, really? Yeah. Decent. Okay, well, you've got a really, like I'm talking a ridiculously quick player. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, Josh did, in his time, he did three ACL. Wow. First ACL, came back, and literally, like, two weeks late, two weeks into his comeback, I think it was. Uh, Josh will have to forgive me if I got these wrong. He did his other ACL on the other side. And then we were doing rehab kind of six months in, and then we were doing a really, really basic drill and he just lost his balance and he redid his ACL. And it, it always stands out for me, you know, people rarely see the players. They always see them as kind of, okay, yeah, they do a lovely pose for like the new stuff that's coming out in the club shop or they're, they're airbrushed here, there and everywhere. 
That was a genuine day where I saw the senior players absolutely distraught for a young player. I'm talking like so the hard guys of like Flem, Ewan, Malky come in and literally commiserate with a youth team player because they had seen him absolutely bust his arse for a best part of two years to try and get back and kept breaking down. Yet the pace he had was ridiculous. You're talking like get through on goal, bang, goal, every time. Just no one can catch him. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like Edie fast. Oh, way beyond Edie fast. Wowzers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was rapid. Because I remember Edie coming on, I think it was uh, Vitesse Arnhem. He came my, on my dude, I only saw Edie when he was like, you know, a lot older. Like, I think okay. it was he was rapid when he came But, but yeah, I remember, um, yes, we... Um, Edie came on uh, I think it was Vitesse Army he right, made, yeah. made a sub, sub thing and my dad turned to Colin who's a long time friend who's, who's always sat next to us Col- um, Colin Bell oh yeah um, and he said uh, he said uh, and I didn't know who he was Colin didn't know who he was you didn't uh, know Colin no I knew who Colin was uh, right. uh, and, and dad said uh, dad said oh apparently this, this lad's really fast and and played the ball into a channel <laughs> off he goes and dad just yeah. looked, turned to his phone and went see um, and he, he he was unbelievable. I think he's the he's the most impressively fast Norwich player that I remember kind of breaking on the scene and yeah. just thinking, yeah, no, was you're, quick. you're insane. Bellows was great. Yeah. He, he was quick and he was quick. Greeny was quick. He was quick with the ball. He was quick with the ball, but he was, he was quick. quick? His... Greeny. That's what I thought you said. Rob Greeny. <laughs> the, what, champions at the uh, European Cup. Ten metres speed. I'll, I'll dig out the stats for you. And actually him and the dock were like super quick. Yeah. I think the Doc cheated that day, but, you know, he still maintains. He came second. I think the Doc and Greeny was the fastest over five metres. Madness. One more question. One more, right. Yeah, one more good one. I'm going to pick a good one. Oh, can I ask two? Go on, then. Call it's it now. So this this is from Carl. Call it now. Call right. it. So this is from Carl D, 27. Hi, Carl. You haven't put your surname, Carl. Um, say, Carl. How many times? Dick- Dickinson, about, Carl. done. Call it now. Who do you think will be player of the season for Norwich this year? Whoa. Call it now. Call it now. That's what he's saying. Oh, right, wow. Pookie then. That's easy. Um, if, Pookie, if Pookie gets 15 goals, he'll be player of the season. Godfrey. Yeah, I would be surprised. I mean, if, I've said before that if... Only because I just saw him down the road in his uh, large car and he gave me a look, you know, and I thought, yeah, he'll do for me. Yeah. No, but, but he was imperious on Saturday. Yeah. I thought he, yeah, just, yeah. he just looked like a Rolls Royce on the pitch. And talking of quick players as well, two or three Do times. Do you think he was still even by the end of the season? Because if we're not doing that comfortably and he, he keeps playing the way he's playing, come January, the, the offers are going to be silly money. Rio is pimping him big time well, on the socials the as well. I don't think, think you can say that. I don't think you can say that. Yeah, Ben, 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 <laughs> just, ben, ben is superb. Like, I think he's overtaken... Max, I think for, um, I mean, we, you almost get to the stage of which which team, even in the top ten, which team wouldn't benefit yeah. from him. Well, yeah, I, I think you still got to give time again because we see them in microcosm. It's it's also knowing what other teams are looking for, you know. So even though teams will have their eye on someone who might be doing well for ten games, they want to see them over a season. They want to see how they deal with ups and downs of a season because it's fine seeing them like in the upturn, like everything Ben Godfrey's done over the last two and a half years, you know, Shrewsbury all the way through the playoff semis or playoff finals. 
and then he comes he's been, in. He played Wembley twice, hasn't he, already? Yeah, and then he comes in Norwich, and they get promoted, but he didn't play a lot of the first half of the season, was it? He came yeah. in about half yeah. of the season, yeah. and then he's so in the So had a half a season in a championship team that was really doing well, so everything is kind of really good at the moment when you find out about defenders and where things are not going well. You know, it's like stri- strikers, when the, when the good times are there, you know, it, you, you pick up really good strikers sometimes in the lower leagues when they're scoring lots of goals in a team that isn't doing very well. And you think, right, there's a striker. You've only had two chances and you got both of them. Boom, yeah. there you go. You know, so, so same with defenders. You find out really whether a defender is worth a metal when they're in a in a team that's not doing well and they're defending really well. You know, it's, it's easy almost to play when you've got lots of the ball and you're not being attacked very much. So 3-0 down, you're still putting your face on the line. So we've gone Puki and Godfrey, what are you saying? I'm going to pick my potential player of the season would be Jamal Lewis. And there's one okay. primary reason behind that. He seems to be the unsung hero of this team for me. So Norwich play really narrow, attacking midfielders. For some reason, all seem to gravitate towards the right. Emmy will gravitate that way. Todd Steve, will drift all right footed? Stephenman will drift that way. Are they all right-footed? Uh, Stephenman's not. No, he's left-footed. Um, but they will all gravitate to the right. And Jamal Lewis is ploughing a lone furrow down the left. And I just think he will be my player of the season because he'll be an unsung hero. Go on, then one more question. You're allowed the second one because Dave's been kind and charitable. Just because I really like this one. So this is from our friend Ben Ambrose, who asks, would Big you rather... Ben. Big Ben. He's not that big, Medium actually. Medium Ben. He's nice right. lad. Yeah. Nice Ben. Yeah, nice Ben. Ambrose was my granddad's name, so he can... He He's can all right. He's yeah. Good custard. Not Ben, though. He's asked... Would you rather have Timu Puki's Viking beard or Mario Vrancic's perfect hair? His Peaky Blinders hair. Well, first of all, I'd argue that it's not—it's re- like a baby Viking beard at this stage. A Viking beard is like gotta be proper. He's gone big before, though, hasn't he? He has gone big yeah, on it last it's not, season. Not Viking level. He's kind of like you know novice level Viking beard, okay. you know. But you know, I don't think you can play Premier League football with a Viking beard. It's good beardage, though. It, it, it's solid beardage, you know. It's great Probably, coverage. The most impressive thing is that he doesn't seem to use any kind of beard oil or anything like that. So there's there's no additional extras. He it's doesn't natural. strike me as a vain man. No, he doesn't strike me as a vain man, Pookie. Bless not, him. Not based no. on his haircut. I was amazed. I was I was amazed that he even had uh, he even got himself kind of tarted up a bit for the the, the start of the season shots, etc. You see, he's already starting to tart it up. Scrappy. Is that what you call that? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I call Is it. Is that the one when he was throwing the ball between each hand? Like? Yeah, the fact that but he's clearly shaved and he's clearly got his hair did and shaved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the, oh, for the, shaved the beard. No, no. For, Trimmed. Yeah, yeah. She shaved, Trimmed it. No, yeah, shaved it right down and made it all neat and tidy. And I was surprised even at that. See, it's not Viking, Viking beard then. Yeah, Vikings don't shave. But I would go Peaky Blinders hair anyway, just because I, I, I think. You're going Vranchard's hair. I go Vranchard's hair. I'll definitely have Mario's hair. Yeah, that I think, is I, I think that. Hair. Because it's such a statement. Because in order to have that, I'd have to have such unbelievable confidence in myself. And I think that you're not rocking that hair unless you think I look good. Phenomenal <laughs> hair. Yeah. Mate, but if you walk down the street and you saw a Peaky Blinder coming at you with like slick back hair and you think he fancies himself, or you saw a Viking with a beard, if like, it, like looking angry, I'd, which one are you running away from? Uh, I both. Perhaps. So you want you want to t- intimidate people? That's what you're saying, Dave. That's why you're picking we're, the beard. We're not in the game of making friends. You know? As <laughs> I keep saying to people, playing. this, isn't fa- sh- this is not show friends. It's <laughs> show business. And we're here to like beat people up and win games of football. So Pookie, for me, strikes fear in the heart because they think this guy... How many do you think he can score this season? Um, I think he will set a new Premier League goal-scoring record for Norwich. Wow. 
What does that mean? He needs Chrissy to get? Sutton's got 22, I think. Yeah, that, wait, do you think he's going to be high 20s then? Mid 20s? Uh, I think he's set a new record for so Norwich. 23 or over. I think that that is more likely than Watford to finish in the Champions League, Lorne. Saying that Chris Sutton was in a 42 game season, I think. So. Well, yeah, we're pro rata it, definitely. Yeah. Oh, we're pro rata. I love that. That's yeah. analytics. Yeah, yeah, Good. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I see what you've done there. Brilliant. Nice, Biggie. Okay, so Dave, what was your favourite question yes. of those? To get some free back to, to so, so that they get some best uh, question wins the match. So what was it? Injuries. Well, no one likes talking about injuries because we like talking about performance. So that one's out. What was next? Promising uh, youngster. Promising youngster. Then beards and hair. And you got yeah, player, yeah, of I, I, player of the season. Player of the season. And then beards or Mary player of the hair. season. No, not player of the season. Unfortunately, um, it, it's yeah. I'm gonna go with Josh Clark because unsung heroes. Um, are one thing so you mentioned Jamal Lewis but unsung never heard of you know who kind of unfortunately never Deserve made it better absolutely and, and Joshua's top I think he went off to university and became a, I'm not sure if he's a professor of something now I think I've seen him doing some writing as well I think I've, yeah. he we've had like some interesting guy, guys yeah. like Michael Merrick was another one who went off and he became a theologian you know so yeah over the years we've had um so, some real interesting mm-hmm. guys who go off like you know leave football and go off and do the maddest kind of stuff going it's, it's kind of like you know Professor Brian Cox leaving um, what was it things can only get better and becoming like master D-ream. of the, yeah D-ream and becoming master <laughs> of the celestial beings what's the what, what is the, <clears throat> the split though generally and does it does it change as you go down the leagues because you, you've managed in Three different levels, four different levels, as yeah. in like coach and three. <clears throat> well, you go all the way down to lower stuff, yeah. You yeah. go right so down to step seven. With, yeah. uh, uh, pl- you know, players obviously are mostly associated with being thick, um, but there there are a few bright ones. Is there a correlation between how bright they are <laughs> with how how high up the leagues they tend to go, or do, do you get your thickest ones in the Premier League, or because do you think that if they're a bit brighter, they might look after themselves, they might train better? Yeah, you see, this is <clears throat> the great Steve Foley. Um, would always say, you know, these guys may not have the um, A levels and GCSEs, said, but they are. They've got advanced master's degrees in people. Right. Yeah. They can suss people out, and they know the game, and they will be thinking about <clears throat> football at far higher level than any fan would. So are our players at the top end thick? No, far from it. You know, I don't think there's any footballers who are necessarily cerebrally challenged. There's there's the ones who are smarter. You know, so whether that's intellectual, uh, probably not. Although there has been some some really intellectual guys last year. You know, had great political debates with Jeff Cameron, who is a you know kind of staunch Republican. Uh, you know, so you could go in there and wind them up all day about Trump, and you mm-hmm. know just set set that one off. You know, um, I've had debates with with Lee Croft. You know, uh, who who would also ask about you know what is what what is the evidence of the Big Bang, you know? <laughs> and then the following day during the warm up say that there are monkeys in the trees in Wigan, <laughs> and he did that, left left a goal. Go, what is Crofty going to come up with this week? You know, so you know at all ends of the game. But the great thing about teams is you get all sorts of characters. So to study like um, my kind of major at university was in psychology. Um, so you're looking at the group dynamics and it's like any group, the people fill roles within groups, you know, and there will be those people who fill the fool, idiot role. And then you'll have other ones who will fill the, 
you know, outstanding leader type, you know, firm and upstanding. And then you'll have the intellect and you have all these roles that exist within teams. And, and that's what maybe fans don't realise sometimes is the one who, like, if you remember Mark Tierney. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Mark Tierney would be life and soul of the party. He'd be out there doing, you know, in if, if you remember the game where he started doing cartwheels, you know, when there was thunder and lightning going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so he'd fulfil that role really, really well. You need those guys within the, in, in the group. Um, unfortunately, because they tend to be the humorous ones, they're the most potentially interesting ones. So they end up with the TV um, TV jobs on Soccer AM. Meanwhile, the cerebral ones like the Dion Dublin, who you know so intelligent about the game and about life, or Gary Neville, or all of those become pundits. Mm. So you get caught between the really funny ones like Jimmy Bullard, and you get you know Gary Neville. And that's your kind of continuum. You know. yeah. We're probably unfortunate not to sign Jim, Jimmy Bullard when he came in on trial for us, you know, all those years ago. So um, You signed him, didn't you, Dave? Jimmy's great laugh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but he was um, on, on the way out of West Ham, I think, at that yeah. stage. So I don't know where, where he was off to next. But yeah, big Jim. But then he went down the road, didn't he? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. He scored a goal in he a didn't very famous derby. He didn't do much for them. <laughs> a very famous one yeah yeah. Well, well, they got, got one yeah exactly one, yeah. it was a decent goal wasn't it as well it's a really good goal so top we'll, bins we will round things off with the Long Come Norwich quiz okay Dave, you have got uh, what's the best so far what did, what did Chris this Warren this season or ever week? well ever is five isn't it if we don't include the, the, the gimmies that I gave Zimbo I think me and Chris got three last so you've got three to beat this season three yeah three, three or four what, three correct remember. answers out of six yeah out of six yeah and right. then is uh, this on random Norwich uh, there's not a lot of Norwich well, in this. On the internet. this is random Premier League today oh my um, god now you've got gonna six, embarrass you've got myself 60 here. seconds can I just claim that like uh, for probably the first eight years of the Premier League I was not into football okay well this right. will this will help your time <laughs> starts now Name one of the London clubs that was a founder member of the Premier League apart from Tottenham, Arsenal and Chelsea. Uh, Millwall. Incorrect. Name an Argentinian besides Aguero to win Player of the Year for Man City. Tevez. Correct. Who scored the first Premier League hat-trick in a 5-0 win over Tottenham? Pass. Uh, name a Welshman with a Premier League goal or assist last season in the Premier League. Pass. Uh, which ex-Norwich City player made 72 appearances in the Premier League for Sheffield United? Pass. What road is Stamford Bridge on? Kings Road. Incorrect. Uh, name one of the London clubs that was a founder. Do I get these back, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Name one of the London clubs that was a founder member of the Premier League. That wasn't the, the obvious ones. Arsenal, Chelsea, and so Sam. Uh, incorrect. Uh, who scored the first ever Premier League hat trick in a 5 0 win over Tottenham? Leeds. <laughs> For Leeds, uh, Gary McAllister. No. Uh, Welshman with a Premier League goal or assist last season? Sign. One out of six, but there's no disgrace because we've had zero, zero before. They, oh, they I are, think I knew they a few quite of them. tricky. In the Premier League Sam Wokes. Last Sam Vokes. Yeah, you could have had uh, Sam Vokes. You could have had Sam Vokes, goal or see, assist. See, since he's moved clubs, he's hardly scored. So, so I wouldn't believe that. Three at Burnley last last season. Okay. Uh, you could have had David Brooks, um, Aaron Ramsey, or Chris Meppham. Um, the, the London clubs that were founding members of the Premier Wimbledon, League, as well as Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, QPR. Wimbledon, QPR, and Crystal Palace. Um, God damn it! You could yeah, have seriously had all of them. Tevez or Zabaleta. West Ham. Um, I got Tevez. You did correct. Yeah. Um, the Leeds player who scored in a five 0 Lucas Radebe or someone like that. Frenchman. <laughs> Ooh. Eric Cantona. 
Hold on. You said it. What was that question again? Uh, he scored the first ever Premier League hat trick, the 5 0 win over Tottenham, 1992. Cantona? Yeah, 5 0, just before he went to Man U. Yeah. Wow. Uh, to replace. Or not to replace the, the injured Dion Dublin. 72 appearances in the Premier League for Sheffield United, ex Norwich City player, punt, Carl Bradshaw. Bradshaw. It is Carl Bradshaw. What? Wow. <laughs> Famous uh, Carl Bradshaw. And what road is Stamford Bridge on? No idea. Fulham Road. It's the thing because obviously Fulham and the rivals, they are they are a bit tricky. Um, so John, I'm sure, I'm sure Stamford Bridge is on lots of roads. <coughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the, fair. The, the, the official address, the famous one. Okay, right, fair enough. Right, okay, your time, that. John. You've got one to beat. Starts now. Name another Norwich City hat trick scorer in the Premier League besides Pookie and Akuku. Ooh, nope. Pass. Uh, name a club uh, that Raheem Sterling has scored a Premier League hat trick against. Play. West Ham. Correct. Uh, who's made the most Premier League appearances for Gary? Uh, <laughs> for Aston Gary. Gary Villa. Gareth Barry. Correct. Who was the last? Who was the last Birmingham player to win an England cap? Um, pass. Uh, only once have all three promoted teams gone straight back from the Prem, and it was 97-98. Who got relegated? All three of them. Yeah, all three of them. It's the only time it's happened. Pass. Okay. Uh, who is the Chelsea chairman? Right now, yeah. Um, it's not. It's not Kenyon, is it? Uh, no. Uh, name a Norwich City hat trick scorer in the Premier League other than Pookie and Mark Robbins. Correct. Um, who was the last Birmingham player to win the England cap? One of those mates. Butland. Correct. Cheers, mate. That is time. Well, you've wow. already gone past wow. you, Dave. You've already gone Gareth past you. Villa. <laughs> Gary Villa. Gary Villa. One of Dave's mates. <laughs> In fairness, he'd already Why don't you just give them all the questions and answers before we I got, I got two off my own back, and that's all I needed. Yeah, that's what I thought I'd help out. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Buck is the Chelsea. Yes, Chelsey that's a team. bonus question. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. One. So the other one was uh, can you name one of the teams that have gone down 97, 98? All Hang three on, you said all three. Yeah, I was say yeah all one. three went down, just name one of them. Yeah, Sheffield United. Ah, right. No. Oh. Two birds and a cur. Two birds, Birmingham. Birmingham. Bolton. Uh, yes, Bolton. Birmingham. Crystal Palace. Burnley. Yes. Burnley? Barnsley. 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 I would have yeah. gone Bradford yep. next. Uh, and then you could have also had uh, Chris Sutton, who scored a hat-trick against Leeds United. Um, Bournemouth and Watford were the other two teams that Raheem Sterling scored a hat-trick against. Uh, Gary Villa um, was Aston Barry, 365. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Butland you've got, thanks to my help. Cheers. Um, the tiebreaker I had this week, uh, which you can uh, hopefully win to restore some pride, Dave. Oh, uh, I'm you. going to ask you first. Uh, the largest ever points gap between the Premier League winners and runners-up uh, was between Manchester City and Man United. What was the amount? It was 2017-18. What was the amount of points between the two? You go first, and then I need another score, another amount of points from you. Is it closest to it? Yeah, the closest to it will will win. Will win. An exact obviously gets me like the overall exact title. Exact win you win yeah, overall. The whole year. <laughs> the whole I'm season, going yeah. to say it was 18. Okay. Oh, I was going to go a lot lower. Um, I'm going to go 13. Uh, well, he was so close. I'm going to give him the win of the day. He's actually a 19 points. So wow. 18 is so close. Jesus, Dave is the winner of today's episode um, because it doesn't have to be factual. It doesn't have to be right. It's just the way we feel. Thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you better. for your time, Dave. It's been fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for being stories. Hunt, I acknowledge that you have also been in the room. See yeah. you next time. Enjoy Chelsea. Bye-bye. <laughs>